Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. And I'm Aaron McMahon. Michigan football, ranked third in the playoff rankings, returns home to host Nebraska this Saturday. We preview that game and what's at stake for the Wolverines as the regular season winds down. Plus, basketball season is officially underway, so we talk some hoops. That and more coming up on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys, going to be talking with you here uh, Thursday morning, November 10th, as Michigan prepares for a uh, 3.30 game. How about that uh, against uh, Nebraska at home? First 3.30 kickoff of the season here. Yeah, how do we prepare for those? I'm not, I don't, I'm going to be rusty for a 3.30 game. It's, uh, well, I don't know. You you can watch some noon games. That's what you do. Yeah, but you're mostly in the press box. Well, I guess, yeah. I mean, no, some of I us mean, are in for, the press yes, some of us, first so, of all. Yeah. Secondly, <laughs> you still have, you have the start and, you know, what are you doing in the press box? I mean. Right. Well, they always seem to have like the worst games on the TVs by us, it seems like. And you can hear other people making comments on, ah, we'll figure it out. All right. Sounds like a personal problem. Listen, yeah. at the end of the day here, uh, we've got an undefeated Michigan team that rose up to number three in the playoff rankings as you know, all but guaranteed here on the Wolverine Confidential podcast earlier this week. Uh, yeah, I think the big question and Aaron, Aaron put a headline on it this week. You know, can uh, the Michigan, Ohio State winner and for our podcast listeners, they only care if that's not Michigan in this case, uh, still make the college football playoff. You know, these rankings, I think, help solidify the fact that that is that is a strong possibility. Yes. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, if you go back and look at the history of the CFP, I mean, the SEC has gotten two teams in twice. So it's possible. Um, You know, it's going to kind of come down to a how Michigan finishes this year. Obviously, they're going to have to win out and then probably lose either Michigan or Ohio State will have to lose a close game in Columbus. Um, I think that would be certainly a criteria here. And then obviously. It comes down to what happens around them. You know, the teams, you know, uh, whether TCU's still in the mix or they lose out or Tennessee does well. I mean, it, it, it's hard to say just because you don't know what else happens around them. Um, but it's certainly possible. I mean, I wouldn't say the Big Ten's having the, its best year in the world. I mean, I think you, when it comes to that, when it comes to whether you, you, you know, two teams from the same conference get in, I think a lot of people, poke, you know, always like to point to the quality of the conference. And I don't think the Big Ten has that standing on it right now. But Ohio State and Michigan are both playing very good football right now. Um, you know, they, they're dominating. Uh, they both statistically are, are near the top in, in almost every major category in the country. So right now it's certainly plausible. But again, it's, it's going to be a wait and see. I mean, we're going to need, there's a lot, you know, three more games left to play here. A lot can still happen. Both uh, last year and in 2017, uh, you know, Alabama um, beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. And, you know, Georgia still made the playoff and obviously last year they they you know beat Michigan and then avenged the loss to Alabama to, to win the national championship. You know, th- that was in a conference championship game, so you could say, you know, the that that loser in both cases, Georgia, you know, still at least made it to their conference championship game. You know, this year with Michigan Ohio State, that loser would not even get there, but I don't know, I don't think you can pen- penalize Michigan Ohio State just cuz they happen to be in the same division. Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, how bad the West is, it's almost like this year, for especially, it should just be like, you know what, the two best teams in the conference should be able to play for the, the – I don't know how much you can build your resume off a win over – another win over Illinois or right. Minnesota. I don't even know who is leading that division. I know Illinois is still in control, but they're probably going to lose to Michigan. I think – I mean, I think maybe Purdue might be the best team out of that 
uh, division at this point. And I mean, they're, they're not very, uh, doesn't seem like a very daunting opponent either. So yeah, it's, it's going to be tough, but like, again, this, this, I feel like this year is going to be fascinating because I think Tennessee, if Tennessee just competed a little bit better against Georgia, I think they would be, um, people would still think that they are more deserving to be in there, but like LSU is a two loss team. I, I can see if they do win and they beat Georgia, and win the SEC, it would be hard to keep them out because, man, that's that's some impressive wins, way more impressive wins than anyone else in the ACC or, or Pac-12 or Big Ten. Um, but I, I think that the a Pac-12 winner with one loss should probably get in there over uh, a one-loss Michigan or Ohio State team. Um, I, I don't think T- – I think TCU probably loses at Texas this week, but – um, if, if they, yeah. And if they lose one game, I think they're pretty much eliminated. So, um, and yeah, I think the sec is, is the best conference. So I, some way, somehow it wouldn't be surprising me to see if, if they get two teams in because they've played each other more, they've had to go through the ringer more. And, and the big 10 has been, uh, has been asked this year. Let's just it's been, put it like that besides Michigan and Ohio state, it's been a very disappointing year for the big 10. I, I agree with you. And, and it, I, I kind of look at it. With, like right now, there's like three tiers of teams. You've got Georgia, I think, at the top, and, and this is reflected in my AP ballot this week in terms of how I rank these teams. You got Georgia at the top, I think, the un, un you know unequivalent. They're the number one. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And then you've got, I think, Ohio State, Michigan, right behind them, and then you've got a group of teams where I, I could see getting in. They've got the resume to do it, um, but we got to kind of wait and see how the season plays out. And that's to me, Tennessee, Oregon, LSU. Um, so, I mean, it's really going to be fascinating to see how this, like you said, if Tennessee or, or excuse me, if LSU wins out and eats them up, knocks off Georgia, I don't think there's a reason why LSU maybe shouldn't be in there. Um, given the fact that Georgia's looked so dominant all year long, they beat Tennessee. Um, so it's, it's, I, I, I think at some point here, TCU is going to lose, whether it's this week or in, in a couple of weeks, I don't see them being there at the end. Um, but it, you, I think you've really got probably five or six teams battling for those four spots. And again, how this plays out the next couple of weeks, wins, losses are going to, are going to matter. Um, but yeah, I mean, the door is certainly open for, for two big teams to get in and certainly two SEC teams again, to get in if, if things play right. But man, I mean, even LSU, like I know it was week one, but that loss to Florida state and in that fashion, and this just getting their doors blown off by Tennessee earlier in the year. It's like, Oh my God, do we, is this team really that good? And Alabama has proved to not be very good this year. So um, it's, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's why, Hey, where's that playoff expansion when you need it? Cause I think this year would be a good year to have six teams in there, but that's just me. It's important to point out too. There's a lot of recency bias, a lot of this stuff. I think the committee, when they look at these rankings, and when I say committee, the playoff committee, when they look at and kind of come up with the rankings. I, I do think they reward teams for um, getting better, uh, winning like big time games later in the year. I think sometimes they factor in those early season losses. You know, not less. I, I don't think it's as big of a deal to them. Um, nonetheless, you're right. I mean, it's certainly a sticking point. It's certainly a negative for them. Um, but again, if they can somehow finish strong and like you say, knock off Georgia, I, I, I think, I mean, it, it would be hard for me to keep LSU out of the top four. I mean, obviously it's going to depend on what else happens, um, but they certainly have a resume of potentially being a, a playoff team. CC Michigan. Yeah. Maybe not schedule, uh, UConn, Hawaii and Colorado state as your, uh, non-conference opponents, because yeah, if, if they, 
do play Ohio State tough and and lose by a, a score late or something and, and just have that one loss and still get left out, you got to be thinking they're like, hmm, maybe we should have played some teams that shouldn't be playing Pioneer Varsity um, <laughs> in their non-conference schedule. So, I mean, a lot to be played still. But, I I mean, it's, I have a feeling that that might hurt them um, when it comes down to, uh, to that selection day. It's important to point out to that the non-conference schedule of Michigan did come up again this week in the uh, tel- media teleconference with the CFP chair, McCorgan. He again cited Michigan's week non-conference schedules as a big reason why Michigan was three and Ohio State was two. So as of right now, the committee certainly views Michigan's non-conference schedule as, as a negative. It's, it's certainly been a knock. Uh, this year, I mean, we're, it's shaping up to look a lot like it, it did in 2006 with, with Michigan and Ohio State you know, on this collision course. And of course, that year, um, you know, that was, that was before the playoff. If the four teams got in, then, you know, we, we would have seen, um, you know, the possibility for a rematch. Michigan would have got in to a 14 playoff that year, but, uh, you know, alas, only, only two teams could, could be in it. And, you know, uh, Florida was, was, who was, you know, chosen as, uh, above Michigan that year. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. Again, it's not a scenario either team really wants to 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 think about being being on the wrong end of, of that game for for so many reasons. But um, you know, I, I I'm seeing more and more playoff predictions where uh, both Michigan and Ohio State are in. Now, I'll say this: I always find like it's easier for people to make that prediction before the game actually happens, and then that team takes the loss. You know, right now you just kind of view it as two. You know, right now they're both undefeated, and you know, but you know they have to play each other, and one has to lose. And I'm just, I'm just not sure that that fully sinks in for some of these people making these projections. But of course, it does does factor. You know, what what else happens, of course, across the country. Um, yeah, as for that, as for that Big Ten West, Ryan, that you were you were mentioning, I mean, it is it is Illinois still in control, only has two conference losses, and then a group of four teams uh, that that are all three and three. Um, so that's kind of where the the logjam, you know, is for uh, the other division in the Big Ten. Nebraska is not one of those teams that is uh, that is three and three. They have been they have been worse this year, um, and they have you know they have only more problems entering this game with with no uh, you know, reliable option at quarterback with their starter for most of the season, uh, still, still out with an injury, it appears. So, um, I don't know. What do you make of this Nebraska team that is, uh, you know, three and six overall and two and four in the big 10? Not very good. Um, and you can look at up and down the statistics. I mean, offensively, this is expected to be the bread and butter of this Cornhuskers team under Scott Frost. I mean, he was, Known for his explosive outfits at Central Florida, they used to put up a lot of points and a lot of yards, and they just didn't have it this year. I mean, they start the year, the loss, uh, you know, against Northwestern and Ireland. Um, they they obviously win. Uh, they beat North Dakota, lose to a Georgia Southern team, and that kind of put the, uh, the the sh- the dirt in the uh, in the ground on, on Scott Frost. And just things haven't really gotten better since. Um, I would say their new interim coach Mickey Joseph Joseph has done a, a decent job at stabilizing things. They haven't fallen off the wagon because typically when you see these these new coaches come in, one thing tends to happen: they either either sparks a team or they just they just fall flat and they don't do anything. Um, you know, uh, Nebraska's gotten a couple of wins in Big Ten play, nothing to write home about, um, but they've also suffered a series of losses. So up and down the, I mean, statistics. I mean, they're I mean they're no better than 58th in the country offensively, and that's in their passing game. But again, that was with their previous quarterback, Casey Thompson, who was doubtful to play on Saturday with an elbow injury. Uh, so from just from an offensive standpoint, there just isn't much there. And then you go to the defensive side of the ball, they're they're even worse. 
Um, they're giving up nearly 30 points a game. They're uh, 441 yards per game. They only have last in the Big Ten. So yeah, hello, hello, Michigan offense. <laughs> yeah, and they've got 15 sacks total as a team. So they're not getting the quarterback. They're giving up a lot of yards on the ground. Uh, they're giving up a lot of yards through the air. Uh, Michigan should have a field day with them. I think they should be able to do whatever they want, um, especially on the ground if they choose to do so. Um, I just I don't see this being much of a uh, much of a contest. I mean, especially in Arbor, uh, you know, it's, Michigan doesn't have to go on the road here. Uh, they should control this game from beginning to end. And I'm, I'm not expecting a close game. Yeah, speaking of field days, I mean, if if there's any position group that should have a field day, it's it's their their front seven. I mean, especially if Casey Thompson is out. I mean, they had to turn to a couple quarterbacks last week, uh, Logan Smothers and Chubba Purdy, and I mean, they combined to go 11 of 26 for 121 yards passing, had one interception, were sacked four times. So, I mean, if Michigan can get out to a, a big lead early, which is expected, and they have to throw the ball, it could be a long day for uh, for Nebraska quarterbacks and their offensive line. Uh, yeah, that uh, that Northwestern game, that remains Northwestern's only win of the year. Uh, the Georgia Southern team they lost to is has a losing record in the Sun Belt. Uh, so yeah, they had a little bounce back with a couple couple wins in a row in the Big Ten against Indiana and Rutgers, but have now lost three in a row. And uh, yeah, there's a reason the the point spread is is you know now up to to thirty for for Saturday's game. So uh, yeah, we don't expect that one to be particularly competitive, which is why we could spend the open of this podcast kind of already looking ahead a little bit to you know Illinois and, and Ohio State and and Michigan's place in the playoff rankings. Uh, we have, of course, basketball news to get to since the season is underway. The 2022-2023 season uh, has started. Uh, if you are kind of missed that, I, I can understand. College basketball probably needs something bigger and better for its opening night than just having every team play and none of the games being particularly good. Now, this year was maybe a little bit different because they, they didn't start on Tuesday because of Election Day. So then that pushed back that their premier event, um, you know, the double header with with some of the, the best teams in the country uh, to next week. So that, that's part of it. But uh, regardless, Michigan played uh, Purdue for Fort Wayne at home and it was sort of a ho-hum victory. Um, you know, early on, Michigan looked a little shaky and then had a 20-0 run to take control. Uh, the Mastodons uh, did not ever really go away then. Uh, for for much of the night, they you know they make a push to get it back to thirteen, say instead of Michigan, you know, going the other way and getting it to thirty, um, you know. But in the end, it was you know a comfortable uh, seventy five fifty six win for Michigan. Uh, you know, Jed Howard, you know, as he did in the exhibition, you know, looked looked pretty good uh, again. You know, made uh, five threes on on ten attempts. You know, twenty one points. Hunter Dickinson, very efficient, 22 points on nine of 11 shooting, made all four of his foul shots. Um, so, yeah, this this Michigan team, it was a good start. It's one game, but you saw some of the things you wanted to see, the the scoring from the wings, uh, you know, Dickinson being dominant uh, and the defense looking looking better than it did last year. Uh, Friday's game, Friday's game will be interesting. Uh, in Detroit against Eastern Michigan, uh, Amani Bates, uh, Noah Farrakhan, um, the sophomore, like, those are a couple of dudes like and they're going to play almost like an NBA team where it's like they know those are the two guys and they're going to get, you know, 20 plus shots each, which just not many college teams play like that. So uh, I know Michigan is their coaches are are uh, 
they're they're not nervous is not the right word, but they're they're thinking about how they're going to be guarding those two guys, and you know, especially with with limited tape. Bates did not play in the opener. You know, you just have the one exhibition where he and Farrakhan played together. There's a lot of new pieces. None of the tape from last year uh, is relevant. Should be a good test, right? It should be a good test for Michigan. Uh, you know, kind of early in the season against a team that you wouldn't necessarily you know expect to be that. It's a it's a nine o'clock start for some unknown reason at Little Caesars Arena. Um, there's there's not a game beforehand, but yeah, this the, the you know Eastern Michigan did did win its um you know first game. It was against against Wayne State. Um, so not a division one program. Uh, you know, seventy five sixty six. Um, you know, like I said, Bates didn't play. Um, you know, but Farrakhan. You know, hit a couple threes, scored 12 points. Uh, Orlando Lovejoy, another freshman. I mean, if kind of remembering this, or maybe you never knew, but uh, it wasn't just Bates they brought on. Um, you know, they they brought on a couple of his of his friends as well. You know, freshmen. Um, you know, into this class, Legend Jeter. You know, some other Michigan kids that uh, you know should make for a, a more talented uh, kind of middle of the road MAC team than than you used to seeing. It should be quite the tri- uh, exciting crowd there on Friday too. You would think. I know Imani uh, Bates, even when he was playing, yeah, you know, wherever he was playing in high school, and even uh, I'm sure at Memphis a little bit too, he would always draw some spirited crowd. So I'm sure it will be the same case on Friday, especially with this cross the street matchup, basically. So I mean, I yeah, it would, I think he's going to be definitely motivated to have a big game, and I'm sure, yeah, like you said, the Michigan coaches will try to devise ways that limit him as much as possible because it wouldn't be a good look if he goes off against Michigan knowing all the recruiting stuff that has gone down over the past few years. Absolutely. But, you know, the the difference in this game, uh, as I, I hope I'm not making Michigan fans nervous or whatever, is that like Purdue, Fort Wayne, you know, Eastern Michigan's biggest guy is 6'8", 6'9". Uh, and Hunter Dickinson is just, is just the difference in the security blanket and a guy you can go to to get baskets. So, you know, even if Bates and Farrakhan, you know, go off or whatever, as long as Michigan, you know, can continue to feed Dickinson, uh, you know, he, he should be the difference in the game. I don't expect this to be necessarily super close down the stretch, but uh, it could be could be an interesting game before Michigan goes to, uh, you know, Brooklyn next week for a 14 tournament. Michigan women uh, opened uh, as well just just last night, Wednesday night at home against Delaware State. And the score was 83 to 30. I don't, yeah, some of these games, like, we don't even need these games. What What is the point? But I, I feel like Michigan plays Delaware State in something like every other year and just, just destroys them. But, you know, 19 to 4 after the f- first quarter. Third quarter was 21 to 3 in favor of Michigan. Like, this game was not close uh, in, in any way. One player for Delaware State scored scored after points, 15. A couple others with six and then just one other with the remaining three. So just four players scored. But yeah, Michigan very, very balanced. Uh, Layla Filia, 20 points in 23 minutes, eight of 11 from the field, four of six from three. Greta Kampschroeder in her Michigan debut hits three threes. Uh, Jordan Hobbs, uh, you know, sophomore getting her first real run, you know, hits, hits a few threes as well. So good start for, for the Michigan women as they look to build off their best season in program history. We will have full coverage of basketball and the football team uh, leading up to the game against Nebraska this Saturday on MLive.com slash Wolverines. Thanks for listening.